Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm over here now. I just want to take a couple of minutes out before I start this episode um, to say thank you to everybody who has, you know, supported and listened to this podcast from either the beginning or if you are a quote unquote newer listener. Um, I appreciate it. Um, I say it constantly that, you know, if I have five listeners or five million, I will continue to do this. Um, it's kind of crazy that you're about to listen to episode 200. Um, I never thought that I would get past, I don't know, maybe 10 episodes. I had no expectations, none whatsoever, actually. Um, but it seems like it's just growing and growing. And like I said, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I enjoy doing this and I appreciate all the feedback um, you know, I, that's, that's one of the main reasons why I like to do it besides me. I, you know, I like to talk with people who I respect or I dig what they're doing or if they're a friend of mine or whatever. But besides all that, um, the coolest thing is when, you know, someone reaches out to me and tells me that, you know, they, they listened and they enjoyed it. So, you know, it's kind of cool that people take time out of their day and actually subscribe and listen to this. And um, also take the time to send me feedback and let me know that it either helped them or it's getting helping them get through their quarantine or a tough time or or just just that they thought the episode was cool. So um, like I said, I just want to take a minute out just to thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, this is episode two hundred with my guest, the awesome Derek Green, singer for Sepultura and so much more. Um, and no normal intro. Um, we're going to go into the song, the opening track of the newest Sepultura record, Quadra. The song is called Isolation, and then the episode. And then we're going to close with one of my all-time favorite Sepultura songs um, off of the Dante 21 record. That song is called The Dark Wood of Error. So with all of that said... I appreciate it, and um, hope you enjoy. So here's to 200 more. Later. I'm over here now.
crazy that i'm actually gonna say this but it's episode 200 of the brooklyn blast furnace podcast um with my grinding away man grinding away bro we can get into that a little bit if you want but this is more about you i talk about myself a little bit too much i think but uh my guest Derek green i mean shit there's obviously sepultura but there's so much more to Derek Green than just Sepultura. <laughs> I think we need to shed some light on some of those other things as well. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of ties to the New York hardcore scene um, with mm-hmm. Outface and Alpha Jerk and one of the hardest names of a band, Overfiend, even though it was short-lived. Overfiend. <laughs> I love the name of that band, bro. Um, yeah, man. A, a little bit a little askewed from what people might think, but Maximum Headroom, which is bizarre. Very cool, but definitely Yeah, it's absolutely. And, um, eclectic. Very totally. eclectic. I like eclectic, man. Like, like, yeah. I was about to start talking about myself, and I'm going to shut up. Um, and, and you're a co-host of the Highway to Health show, which we can also get into. All right? But without further ado, man, how you been? I've been great, man. Um, despite everything that's been going on, uh, just really staying positive as much as possible. You know, and just 
trouble, troubling times, but uh, just really trying to stay very busy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, being a touring musician, it's, it's gotta be wearing thin to some degree, dude. No, no, I mean, absolutely. I think at the very beginning it was very, uh, overwhelming and hard to imagine not touring, not playing shows for such a long period of time. It was the first time stopping for so long. It's been 20, over 20 years of just being on the road, um, doing this cycle of playing everywhere around the world, uh, recording albums, playing live shows. And um, it just came to a halt extremely fast. Um, and it was terrifying at first, you know, yeah. just imagining what would happen in the future and what was going to happen. But then I realized a lot of it is really out of my control. There's nothing I could personally do about that. So I stopped um, really stressing out over the fact of things that I can't change. Dude, that's that's like exactly how I felt in the, in the very beginning, like last March. When I'm in the middle of Brooklyn right now, and as everyone knows, New York was like a hotbed for a long time, but I never stopped right. working. Thank God I never stopped working, you know? Um, I'm, I guess I'm a right. Joel worker. Um, but um, in the beginning, man, it's like, you know, I have a little girl and, you know, it's my, my girlfriend and stuff. So and just like everybody, when this all came down, you, people really didn't know what to expect, how this was going to go. At first, I'll be the first one to admit, man, when, it, when, when you first started hearing about this coronavirus, I'm like, and this is bullshit. I'm like, this is bullshit. It's another media distraction. But I'll be the first to admit, man. You know, I'm like, nah. Right, right, right. You know, and I'm very skeptical when it comes to all that stuff. But, and then it got a little scary, you know, walking through Times Square. I work in Midtown Manhattan and walking through Times Square right. on Tuesday during rush hour. And it looks like the beginning of Vanilla Sky when there's nobody but Tom yeah. running through. Like, I was walking around. It was like a movie. It was surreal shit. Right. And then after a while, exactly. Oh, oh man, it was crazy. And then after a while, you know, I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to go right. online and rant? Am I going to complain? No, I got to thank, thank God that I'm still working. Everybody around me is healthy and not sick. Mm -hmm. And I'm in this, I'm in the same boat as everybody, man. You know, we, we're all on the same ship and time will tell. That's it. Uh, it's exactly what you said. We're, we're all on the same ship. Yeah. You know, it was a realization that I had to, to conclude with, you know, it was just the reality of the situation. Like you said, when walking out the street, not seeing anybody out there, you know, it really hits home immediately. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. You know, this is something that we've never had to go through, you know, yeah. a worldwide pandemic. You know, I have a son who's 11 and he lives in, in Prague. In Czech My daughter's Republic, 11 so right now. My daughter's I haven't been able well. to see him. My daughter is 11 right. as well. And it's, it's, it's tough. Oof, yeah. oh, that's amazing. It's amazing age, but it's, you know, it was mind-blowing thinking that uh, the fact that I wouldn't be able to travel there, I would, you know, I'm not going to be able to, to see him this year. Um, 
you know, it's heartbreaking, you know, and also uh, my fiance as well. So just being separated from people that you love, you know, can really weigh in, you know, strongly on the impact of like your mood. Um, it can lead to depression. I know a lot of people were taking up a lot of alcohol and drugs to get through, yeah, um, yeah. you know, the tough times, you know, and there was a, a definitely a high rate of suicide going on as well after yes. being locked down for so long or being without work, um, all this stress overhead. But um, again, I have to be, you know, very thankful for the things that I do have sure. and, and look at those things and, and help um, where, you know, it could be help, you know, where people need help, you know, that's really the most important thing because we are all in this together sure. you know, like you're saying yeah without a doubt man you know it's like i, I it's sometimes i think like what can i do to help you know and i and i try I try to help mm-hmm. where i can and whatever but it's weird because like before i press record you know i say i don't get into certain things while i'm on here because i do this for fun and i do this to yeah I, I, I get people that hit me up all the time like yo dude thank you so much for doing what you do it's helping me get through quarantine. It's helped me. So, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's so, absolutely so helpful. You know, there's a lot of things. Yeah, man. But, um, shit, where do you want to go? You, you, you want to go back in time, my man? You want to go back in time and touch <laughs> on some old shit? We can do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. Um, your first, well, what was the first band that you were in, whether or not you released anything? Like, was it, it, it was wasn't out, was it Outface? No. Yeah, it was Outface. The, it was. the first band that I actually, yes. Okay, because a lot of people who are in bands like always have that one little band that they're embarrassed to talk well, about. The name is silly, extra brutal, you know? Well, I, there was like, only talk but there was never really a show but there was never uh, a recording from the very beginning um, of a band called Integrity uh, from Cleveland and when the singer uh, Dwight actually thought of the name and the concept of it he was like yeah you should be in the band I was like all right I'll be in the band but it was all made up it was all something that came out of an imagination as far as creating this image and idea of this ultra straight edge band right. uh, in high school i was completely straight and didn't drink or do any drugs or anything and uh and so this was something that was really rebellious you know to really challenge the scene with some oh, hell yeah. really brutal brutally violent straight edge band <laughs> and, it, and it was i mean it was absolutely uh ludicrous but um, creating T-shirts even before the band even existed or even we picked up an instrument. Um, but that was, you know, the fun behind by what people believe, the hype and gossip that goes on that people really fall prey to. Yeah. Um, it still goes on today, obviously. Absolutely. And, um, but it was just like short, short-lived when it came down to like, okay, we're going to start practicing. It's like, all right, I'm out, you know, like this yeah. has been fun. Yeah, um, you kids, I mean. Creating like- or, you know. <laughs> I mean, what year? What year? But then, talking? Outface was really the, the that was in uh, mid eighties, like eighties. Had like to be like eighty four, maybe. Five. Yeah, like eighty four, eighty eighty five around that okay. time. Okay, because if I'm, and then um and then I 
Yeah. And no, I didn't it's, want to talk. But then Outface was real bad. In '85, Outface became. The... <laughs> Sorry. '85 around there. Right. Now enter. But Outface became the actual band. Right. Awesome. But enter Charlie from Civ. Right. Charlie from Civ was right. In the band. And right. And um. Frank, who wound up become, be, being in Prong, was in the band. Right? Right. Frank, uh, Frank, first, after he left, after Outface like, split up, he ended up playing in a band called Filter. Yes. With uh, Rich Patrick. And so Rich Patrick used to be in Nine Inch Nails. And guys, Nine Inch Nails are from Cleveland. Yeah. And so uh, Rich Patrick left Nine Inch Nails, decided to, do, decided to do his own thing, and then Frank ended up joining Filter, and then Prong. Ah, very fucking cool. See, yeah. a lot of people a lot of people might not know that little connection, because they just might know you. I mean, some people right. do, but some people might just know you the Sepultura guy. You know what I'm saying? That's why I want right, to right. some things that you oh, might not have really spoken about. No, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's... Um, yeah. And what's and really the drummer cool about the drummer from Outface ended up playing uh, one album with Integrity, actually. No shit. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I think we have a delay. That's why I think I'm accidentally talking over you. I think we have a delay. So my apologies. <laughs> um. But now Walter from Quicksand, one of my favorite bands, signed Outface to his label back then, right? Right, Crisis Records. Yeah, Walter's a great guy. I had him on here. Yeah, we we know him. Uh, we ended up knowing Walter because of various bands that he played in, and just being uh, ultra fans. And they would come through Cleveland. Um, all those guys, Youth of Today, um, Gorilla Biscuits, like Judge. Um, and we became really good friends with them back, you know, opening up shows for them and, and just becoming friends and keeping that relationship uh, going and still to this day. Um, so it was great that, that Walter really took interest in wanting to, to, to sign us to that label. It was a big deal for us because we had a chance to actually record and Don Fury Studio, which was legendary for legendary. So many hardcore legends. Yeah. Oh, without a so, doubt. Don mean, Fury is like the spot back <laughs> in the day. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but it was an incredible time. You know, it was really, you know, uh, thanks to Walter, you know, for like really um, giving us that opportunity to try something completely um unexpected and and uh extremely exciting you know at the time it was just so i just couldn't believe it. i was just so happy with the fact that we were able to do that record there and have the possibility to, to start touring around the country yeah and, and you were a kid at the time too so that must have been like a really fucking cool thing to do man i mean oh yeah i i mean i i already had it in my head like after seeing my first show which was like either Bad Brains, I'm almost sure it was Chromax, I want to say, Age of Quarrel Tour, because they came at the same time they were touring, I Against I Tour, I believe, Bad Brains around. 
and um, it just changed my mind, you know, to where this is the direction I want to go. I, I, I knew from then on after seeing live shows that I wanted to play that style of music, very aggressive, uh, alternative. Um, I wanted to play in front of that audience because I had never seen anything like that. I'd never seen people move to music like that, where, you know, the music makes people move and want to jump and flip and get on stage. You know, the power behind it was something uh, magnificent, you know, it was something I'd never seen before. And I wanted to follow in that, you know, that energy that was going on between the audience and um, the band on stage. So this was something that I knew after seeing my first show that uh, I wanted to go in that direction and just stay focused on that. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I grew up listening to metal and stuff like that. And then when I first, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a different crowd. A metal, or a, yeah, you know, metal audience, a hardcore audience are completely different. So I went and I had heard of them, but I had never heard them. I heard of them and I saw them by accident. I was, went to go see Suicidal Tendencies at Lemoore's in Brooklyn and Leeway opened up. And Leeway came on and that place went ballistic. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like 14. So I was like, what yeah. do we got going on here? Going and then that was it. Like that put me on a, on a separate path. I always still listen to metal. I always do. But that turned me on to like crossover and then into hardcore. You know what I mean? That live experience. Yeah. Unbelievable. The live experience. It's, yeah. it, it changes everything, you know. Sure. It's, it's the main reason that I do music, that, you know, having that live experience moved me so much. And, and I still enjoy going to shows because of that experience. It's so invigorating. Sick. So sick. Now, I definitely want to touch real quick on your former band who put out, a, I believe it's a three-song demo and only played one show, Overfiend. Right. <laughs> and you opened up, but what a, what a show, what, one show, and you opened up for my all-time, my favorite hardcore band ever, you opened up for Sick of It All. Right. Yeah, that, that was uh, <laughs> super exciting. Uh, I really never forget that show, just because it went by so fast, and um, I was so hyped on the idea of being able to do stuff with this new band and with Overfiend. And, um, but right after it was when the Charlie got the call and Sammy to, to join up with Siv and yeah. to really uh, partake in that. And then that was the end of Overfiend. It was, you know, really quick, yeah. short-lived, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, I, I believe we have a demo that, uh, that we were debating on putting out now. Put it um, out, man. I, What's I, the matter with you? Put that it. shit out. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But I was, but I was, I mean, now I'm just so, uh, I don't know. Like, Don't really, be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. I know. I... <laughs> Stop it, man. Put that shit I, I, out there. Yeah. I know. I, I, I know what you're saying. I, I, Absolutely should because um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. You know, it would really be. Young, that was, was back like, then. It's it's it, it, it's older. So you, there's a lot of reasons to justify 
not being embarrassed. But um, yeah, I was really kind of, I was very bummed out, like once those guys left, you know, but I didn't hold any like uh, ill uh, Ill thoughts those guys. I was the best. And, and and I really love Sage and I love the music they're doing. So I was really happy for Charlie and Sammy and all those guys. Sure. And um thought it was really amazing. It just made me dig in deeper, you know. I guess it was the path that I needed in order to be where I'm at now. You know, sure. it just happened that way where it's like, okay, keep going, keep pushing, you know, and, and then I started uh, Alpha Jerk. Um and I was I decided I was gonna pick up guitar and try to to play and write my own songs and get a band together. And, and it was, it was hard. Man. It was really, really <laughs> difficult. Um, <laughs> I was just, I just didn't know, like, it was just so difficult to find people that were very serious and focused. That was the first thing. Right. Um, you know, especially I, I moved to New York and I was, I expected that, you know, everybody's going to be on their shit, you know, ready to go. <laughs> and, and I just found out it was, Nah. completely the contrary you know a lot of people are just like working you know all the time like i was yeah consistently just to pay rent oh. you know to get by i know it's just like oh my god seven days a week like two places that you know at one point i worked at fat farm uh, in soho Russell okay. store and then i would i remember fat Mojo farm Mojo. of course yeah fat farm i was an assistant manager there for two years and I, at the same time, I was working Notel Motel in the Lower East Side and Beauty Bar and uh, all these, like, doing security or, like, night and day type of, you know, jobs and people yeah. that I'd run into. Um, but it was just hustling, you know, really, and doing the band, you know, trying to find people that were believing in the music and believing that they could, you know, it could go further. But I just kept at it, you know, just really stay focused as far as being putting myself around that scene, you know, that sure. whole music scene, whether it be in the bar, around a bunch of musicians, going to shows, being in that whole network. And that's how the whole idea of being in Sepultura and doing the audition came about, from being around that scene. Yeah. Well, Alpha Jerk wound up with two songs on the New York Hardest Volume 2 compilation. <laughs> I, know right, my, right. I know my stuff, Derek. Which I know is... my hardcore shit. Yeah, you do, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I had to go back and, and dig that up because I was even shocked. Like, oh my god, that's right, we did do that, you know? And, yeah, yeah. And, and mean, if I'm, and so if I'm cool. not mistaken, I always get it confused because of the breakdown song "Kickback." But you have a song called "Kickdown" oh, and "Out of Control." Those are the two songs on yes, the comp. Those are the two songs. Yeah, I always get confused because in a breakdown song is kick back. So you always kick down. All right. I would probably get confused too. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> oh, that's fucking good shit. So so anyone who's yeah, watching or listening and you didn't know that, we just made you, you know, study your lessons, kids. Oh yeah. That that was a great time though, you know. It was really kind of the end of an era with a lot of stuff going on as far as that's the scene in New York, you know, was like really kind of changing. Uh, it had already been changing rapidly, but um, there was still like just so many diverse bands around and everyone together, you know, like it was great that compilation. When I look at all the bands on there, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that dude. Oh my God, that band, yeah. 
but everybody just got along really well, you know, and there was all diverse styles, you know, and everybody just kind of like meshing together. And uh, it was a cool scene. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, dude. Back in the day, the whole scene was insane. It was it was so much fun. There was so many people. It was always every show was jam packed. There was no there was no hardcore horseshoe. It was just right, right. It was just bodies on bodies on bodies <laughs> on bodies, man. Dying of heat and CBs and all these places. But it was an amazing time, dude. It was so much fun. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm I'm 45, so I missed like like the early days of CBs. You know what I mean? Like the really mm-hmm. early days, obviously. Like the yeah, early early nineties, I was there pretty often, and it was still amazing. You know, it was just a, such a cool scene. You know, but things change, and you know, there's. Listen, nowadays you have to, there's so much music out there that you have to kind of dig. You know, a lot of things yes, you make do. sound the same. There's a lot of cookie kind of stuff, but every once in a while you have a band that's like, all right, it's a little breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? But absolutely. Yeah. You just, you're right though. You definitely have to dig, and that's okay. You know, when you do find it, it's, it really yeah. stands out. You know, it's something without a that, doubt. Uh, you know, feeling that I had from that got me into music you know when you discover something for the first time and you're like oh my god and how exciting I, I still have that feeling when I stumble across a band and I'm like man this band is you know you get hyped up when you the song comes on and stuff like that and just feeling it you know so I'm I'm, I'm grateful that there's still is awesome music out there you know it's just digging to find it yeah, you got to dig it. And that, that I think, I, I'm going to sound like the old man, but a lot of, a lot of times with these kids nowadays, they don't, they, they don't, they don't want to dig. They don't want to do the work. Even though they have the easiest thing ever, they still don't want to dig. It's like, they don't want to do the work. They don't, don't want to do the work. It's not even any work. Get off my lawn, you know? I know, I know. It's not even any work. I, I mean, I, there was such a joy to be able to go to the, record store it's like oh my god here my fingers are ready going in the bin you know to go down through and oh man it's incredible you know when you stumble across something like oh my god yeah it is you know you're turning it over looking at it you know great so what perfect segue real quick though real quick perfect segue because i'm going to throw one of my sponsors out there because this is this is good time one of the sponsors for the Brooklyn Blast Furnace is Generation Records, located at 210 nice. Thompson Street in the West Village. Wow. This is one of the places they survived the pandemic. They are back open for business. Um, follow them on Instagram at Generation Records. If you go to generationrecords.com, no, generationrecords.bigcartel.com, you can order stuff in the mail. But if you're in the New York City area, Go to the brick and mortar spot, 210 Thompson Street in the West Village. That is one of the places where you can go. You can dig in crates all day long. Love that place. Love what that. it's like the last ones <laughs> on the block, man. One of the last ones on the block. So shout out to Generation wow. Records. Yeah, man. Definitely. Love doing that. Uh, you know, it, oh, yeah. it, you know, oh, yeah. and it, it, it comes up kind of often as well. It's I guess like for my I don't think we're, we're pretty close in age, I believe. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so we're from the same generation of going to the record store. It, like, like when I was 13, 14, I would save up my allowance, my little job, and I yeah, would go yeah. and buy that cassette tape or the record yes. and sit in my room, oh, yeah. unwrap it, and 
read the lyrics along and the thank yous and the line of notes. Now I download it, you know, press a button on iTunes. It's just, it's just, it, it takes away so much, dude. I know the ritual was uh, unbeatable, you know, unbeatable. really that, that I, I remembered so vividly, you know, doing exactly the same thing you're talking about. Yeah. And I realized there's so many people around the world that did that, you know, um, listening to heavy music or alternative music, like it now having the chance to travel the world. And I realized, man, there are people doing the same thing I was doing, feeling that excitement of uh, just really going through that creation, you know, all that's put in to make that, that album, everything that goes into it. That now I understand the ramifications of everything that really goes into creating an sure. album. I have much more appreciation for it. Yeah, and I, that's how I learned. I mean, there was this yeah. was way before the internet was even a thought. That's how I also learned right, about course, other yeah. bands. You know, it's like I buy, yeah, yeah. you know, I buy, I don't know, right. and Justice For All on, on vinyl or like, I don't know, a, a Testament record on vinyl. And I read the thank yous and there's a chunk. Right, the big, who they're thank you. Fine that's right. Of all of the bands. I'm like, all right, now, Who's violent? Right. Who's this? Who's that? Yeah, you, you, just re you just reminded me. That's how I discovered also bands too. Like sure. That. That was and some of them I would spend my, my, I would save up my allowance or whatever. And sometimes I would buy something and it would be a dud. I would buy things off of art. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I would buy things off of album art, you know? But then I would keep listening to it because I didn't want to feel like I wasted my money as a 14-year-old, <laughs> right? And then you get into it. You almost force yourself to get into it. None of this. You know what? I'm gonna have next. to. I'm going to have to make a playlist of all those bands that you're talking about where I was like, oh, I, I don't like this. And then it's like, since I bought it, I'm going to listen to it. Of course. And, and then I end up becoming a fan. I'm going to make a playlist of just artists like that. That's great, though. There's it's a so lot true, of bands like, like that. I'm not giving up. Right. I was like, I'm not giving up on them. No, because sometimes <laughs> they would dupe you, man. There would be a sticker for fans <laughs> of Megadeth, Metallica, and Slayer. And you put it on, right. it's like, this is garbage. This is nothing like that. But then you have to listen to it. <laughs> right? Uh, true, man. That's so true. It's so true. Uh, I did it. Now, now I'm, I'm going to make a little confession here. And I don't think I've ever said this in 200 episodes. And it's so crazy <laughs> that I'm talking to you and I'm going to be saying it. <laughs> Now, I grew up, I mean, I listened to, you know, back in the day, you know, of course, it's the early Metallicas. I love old Anthrax. I love all that stuff. Yeah. Slayer. And then I went to this place called Ciro's CD Cellar in Canarsie in Brooklyn. And I had bought something. And he was like, yo, man, if you like this, buy this. And what did he hand me? <laughs> Beneath the Remains, right? Ah. He handed me Sepultura. I can't believe I'm saying this to you right now. This is fucking fucked out. Oh, no, no, I got to hear it. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to make a confession. And at first, I put it on, and I'm like, I don't think I like this, <laughs> right? First time. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, all I hear is Igor Snare Drum. 
bang, 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 bang. That's all I hear. That's all wow. I hear. And then I'm like, it just sounds repetitious. And I'm like, why? Why do people love this band so much? And then I listen to it and I listen to it and I'm like, okay. And then I hear the riff and in, in, inner self. And then I, and then I hear, and then next thing you know, it's one of my favorite records. You know what I mean? So it was one of the, it was one of the bands that I just said that I had to listen to over and over again because I didn't want to feel like I got ripped off. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's but, awesome. But I, Sepultura I, I, is I, I, one of those fucking top tier bands in my book. So, you know, put in the work, kids. Right Take on. your time and listen. It's a, it's a very interesting, interesting history, you know, because Oof. if I, I guess it really depends on where you, you come into the phase of Sepultura because, I mean, for me, I, I only started listening at the Arise phase, you know, that, and I was already a little bit late to the game with that because I had such a, there was such a big division growing up when I was really young with like metal and punk and hardcore. Like there was like the division of metal was like a whole nother world. And like the whole hardcore punk scene was completely different. It was like very segregated, which was- very bizarre to think about now yeah and and didn't really hang out with so many but it slowly meshed itself together it was inevitable that it was going to come yes. together and i think it was happening like that all over you know the world in a way you yeah. know and and you could see it you know from reading fanzines and stuff i started seeing like anthrax and fanzines that i liked i was like huh I was like, what's up with this band? You know, yeah, what's up with these weird dudes from shorts. like Queens and yeah. wearing funny shorts? What's the matter with these Short guys? jam shorts and that? Yeah, I was just yeah. like, what is and then I was like, oh wait, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like Judge Dredd. I was like, I love, I love comics. And I was like, oh, that's cool. They put that in a song. And I started getting it. I was like, whoa, I start to really like them. Then there were bands like that were already like very punk and hardcore, like DRI. And they decided to put over, you know, put on an album. It was like crossover. I was like, oh man, this is really stepping into high gear. It was like gradually happening. Like certain bands are changing up their style, like Gnostic Front. Oh, you know, was, I mean, they changed dramatically their style. And I was like, wow, it's became a little more of this metal added to it. And with even with Metallica, the first time hearing it, I, I mean, I fell in love with it, but it took some, I mean, the friend that introduced me to it, he's still my best friend. And he was like, check this out. And I was like, metal, Metallica. I was like, are you kidding me? And it was just like, Ride the Lightning was like the album. He was like, just, just put it on, you know? And I just had the album. I was like, all right, let me put it on. It was like, from the very beginning, I was like, Yo, that's mind-blowing. He was like, look at the dudes. I was like, look at these dudes. They have misfits patches on their jackets and stuff. They're really they into do. punk. I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Yep. They're into that. A bunch and of dirty-looking kids with acne and fucking misfit shirts yeah. on. Awesome. I was like, dude, these dudes are burnouts, you know? And I was like, <laughs> but I was like, oh, but they like the punk stuff, you know? I see that they like that. And I mean, that wore off over time, like the whole like scene and everything. But uh, thank God, you know, because it just added, you know, that whole melting changed the scene dramatically. Sure. I think for, for a better way, for musically, it just sounded... Or interesting, there were bands like From Suckers, who oh, I was a yeah. massive fan of. And, yeah. and just, I mean, they were serious players, though, back in yeah. the day. Like, I was like, those dudes could play for that real. Life of Dreams, you know, and that, that like Life of Dreams record is flawless. It's ridiculous. 
It's really good. I, it's, I, I know every song on it, even though it was like people are like, ah, oh, they, they, they fell off. Like, I was like, come on, man. It's, Put on Life of Dreams and tell me that that record is not incredible. You got to be out of your mind. It's incredible, man. Yeah, it's really, man. really, really, I mean, it still holds strong. So that, that whole merging, like I, I got into Sepultura and Arise and, and, and it was like amazing, but it was already the time when I got into them, they were already like Chaos AD. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is badass. This is yeah. like really, really hardcore. Um, it, it, I don't know. It had more of those elements. Yeah. And then uh, with like Roots, I thought it was cool. And but I really and it was funny, like when I joined the band, there were so many. I thought Roots was like the biggest album that they, you know, they had and da da da. But touring with them for 20 years and traveling, I, I, I love the album, but there are a good amount of fans are just like, I don't like that shit. And I was like, really? and I was shocked, you know, I was like, wow, you really don't like that? Yeah. There's some fans are like, that was, that was it for me. I was like, wow. Wow. You know, like I was done. Yeah. And then there's people who are just like, I love like the old stuff, like bestial devastation and stuff. And I'm like, are you, you're serious. Yeah, you're serious. <laughs> you yeah. know, and they're like, no, no, that changed my life. And I'm, so there's like all yeah. different fans that you know they come sure. depending on how they were introduced to the band so i love hearing people's stories you know yeah, I, got, I, got the, I got the beneath remains tape and then that was like right around the time i think arise was about to drop and i was already okay. in. so they put the you know the dead embryonic cells video comes out and i was already yeah, in. Yeah. i was already wrapped right. up okay and then i went in reverse and i bought like schizophrenia and then oh I, wow wow nice. yeah yeah i always did that like like i found leeway and then at the same time i bought the first leeway record the same guy who sold me to the that's the, the uh beneath the remains record he sold beneath me the remains yeah he sold me um agnostic front liberty and justice which is a very oh my God. Wow. it was right the one right before live at cbgb's and then before one voice so that was right yeah. there. And then I went like with Agnostic Front from that. I, then I went in reverse. Then I went to Victim in Pain and Cause for Alarm. And like, oh, studied, you did? Okay. And studied my lessons. Where did this come from type stuff? You know what I mean? So I did the mm -hmm. same thing with Sepultura. And around the time Arise came out, I was still going back in the discography and learning. It's, but it's <laughs> funny though, because you're like, oh, the songs start, you know, sound the same. It, well, that, that was my first years. That was my, that was my virgin No, 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 no. You know, I was like. You know what? They're awesome. But it's interesting talking to those guys, like, actually, because I had all these impressions, like, meeting them and then being able to hang out with them, like, yo, like, tell me, like, I don't know, getting into conversations, like, yeah, we were so young, a lot of shit, we just, we, we bit, you know, we were influenced, like, most people are your influence. And I always felt that what made me really gravitate to Arise and then beyond is the fact that they had grown up, the personalities started to develop. They started to realize the, the shape of the band of where they wanted to go. Because before they were copying some, a lot of stuff from bands that they admire and they hadn't, I didn't feel that they fully, they were developing their style, but it hadn't really, you know, reached that point yet. But I felt on Arise, it was really that the tipping point because A, their English is better, I found out. They're like, well, we started to actually learn English better. So the actual songs writing, because they had a friend before that would translate 
the words I, from Portuguese to English. I find that like way before. I find that fascinating. That, it's fascinating. Dude, like, like, let's just say me and three of my idiotic <laughs> friends decide to form a band, but we're not going to do it here. We're going to go to Brazil and we're going to fucking make a record that's going to change the course of music in Brazil, but we're going to do it in their native language. It's like, come on, man. What's the, like, what are you, high? It's ridiculous. Yeah. But they did that. Crazy. They did. They did. And uh, and once they had the ability to write, you know, everything themselves as far as like lyrically and things like that, it became a lot more interesting. And you can hear that, you know, each album is different because they're growing and it still continues in that way. There's always change and growth. And, and that was something that I really admired about the band and especially all bands that aren't afraid of change. You know, I know the Metallica was one of the first bands that I realized like, oh my God, if you, you know, changing up can be hardcore. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's fascinating when, you know, when Metallica came out with the one, uh, the song one, it was their first video, you know, on Ever. MTV. They're four MTV. records deep, first they, video. Yeah, and they were like, oh, they sold out that album, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just, Injustice for All is just horrible. And I was like, oh my God, you know, people try hate on it so much. Yeah, you know, man. Like, really like, oh, I'm, I'm done with them. You know? and, <laughs> and I, I was just like, I mean, it was fascinating. And even with myself, I was like, you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe right. they're right. And then it was like, and then it came out, Black Album was like, you know what? I'm going to put this to the side. Yeah. But there's like nine <laughs> videos from that record out. It's like, Mariano Rivera comes like, out I, I, the Sandman. It's crazy. I didn't even have to, I didn't have to buy the album. I knew every song on it. And I was like, wait a minute. These songs are actually brilliant. <laughs> it's like, yeah. they actually, you know, stepped out, stepped up their game. You know, yeah. it's just like, it was something that, truly amazing they got a bigger fan base they may have lost some fans but they're still metallica you know they're it was still fucking house, a household name man everybody knows who metallica is i don't care where on the planet you are yeah say metallica they know the name they did yeah. something so yep. people and, get and, hate and, all and, and, I respect, and, and I, they do and I, they get hate, but it doesn't at the end of the day it's like wow they're still the ones playing stadiums yeah, sold, sold out. out. You know, like how it's sold out. Not even pop artists do this. Nope. Internationally. Right. Nope. It's right, man. It's like, so, you know, with That's that, I, was them, like, man, man. I, I definitely, yeah, man, absolutely. And, and, and that was like a really big inspiration to really keep in that line of, you know, that, that idea of being an artist, not being afraid to try it new things and things that feel comfortable or sometimes not so comfortable, you know, really right. making those choices that are difficult, you know, and I, there's so many bands at times that try to capture onto a trend at the time, you know, we've seen all those different bands are like, okay, we got to do this because this is happening now. Yeah. And they end up losing themselves. And, um, you know, it's just really, really important. I feel to just stay focused on what you feel is good for you. What you feel, you know, is very honest yeah. and true to yourself. Yeah. Now there is one thing I have to ask you. It's my first, I guess my first, technically my first sure. question is, absolutely. and you've probably spoken about this 9,000 times before, but not to me. So I'm going to be selfish. Yeah, <laughs> um, 
What? All right. Max departs the band. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you get the call to audition, right? Don't right. you you right. send them you send them I guess a demo tape of sorts of you singing the song Choke. What what there let me uh, put this out there. There were the auditioners for anyone in the world could do it. Um if they knew about it. So at the time, you know, there wasn't the internet, so it's just really through like word of mouth or through letters that people would send to other people or phone call. Um, so there were other people that had tried out. There was Jorge, who tried out before I did. From Marauder? Jorge was from Marauder, yes. He went to Brazil and actually did an audition. Um, there was uh, Davide, who played bass in Orange 9mm. Wow. He auditioned with them. Shout out to Chaka Malik. Uh, yes, Chaka. Yeah, man. <laughs> and so um, there were... Chuck Billy sent... His version of the song Choke, he tried out because Testament were having a hard time. Wow, time. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. He, so he did his version. There was Phil Demo. I think he tried out as well wow. from uh, Machine Head. And Violence. And, uh, yeah. yeah. But he's, violence, of course, violence. Phil, Phil, I had Phil on not that uh, several episodes ago, and he, was, he sang for a short-lived band called Torque. So that doesn't really, that really doesn't surprise me that he tried out for Sepultura. That would have been yeah. weird. <laughs> so that was like before I even stepped in. So then, yeah, I, I sent that to them, a demo of stuff that I had done and also me doing a version of Choke, my version of Choke. Okay. Now, once you get the green light, <laughs> Right. What the hell goes through your head and what are your emotions knowing that you're stepping into a band who's already basically a legendary status with a ridiculous fan base replacing somebody like fucking Max Cavalera? What, what's, your, what's going on in your head? I think what helped the most was the fact that I, I didn't know. I was completely naive. I, I wasn't a fanatical Sepultura fan. I only had like Arise and uh, Chaos CD and Roots. And I didn't even know each member of the name. I didn't know the name of the members in the band, like everybody's name. Like I was like, I couldn't tell you if they walked up to me on the street. I'd be like, is that Max or Andreas or Igor? I don't know. I, I knew the songs. I knew the albums. But I, I mean, I, I didn't really, I wasn't a fanatical fan. Okay. So I didn't know like how big they were outside of what I knew in New York or, or like what I knew from growing up. Like I knew people that knew them, but I didn't have like fanatical Sepultura fans around me. So I was naive to the fact of how big they actually were only when I got in the band and no. I went to Brazil. And we're hanging out, and then I was like, "Oh my god, you know, like this is <laughs> this is really, <laughs> you know." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is insane." Yeah, and that's when it hit. So I guess that that helped that I I just jumped in and I was very eager to show my style. Like I'd never met Max, um, so I had no impression of him. Like to 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 be like, um, like oh man, I I got a lot to shoes to fill like i knew they were big and i'd seen videos and things like that but i never met him so it wasn't like 
that challenge. It was somebody I never met and didn't really matter to me. I was like in a position, I was in Brazil and it was like, yo, let's go. We're going to tour the world. We're going to do an album. We're going to, you know, like serious people finally, you know, focused. And I was just going to take advantage of every moment of it. Just like, this is me. This is how I do it. Hardcore coming from New York, you know, like going to show that style, you know, and the music. And they were totally open to um, all ideas, you know, like the, the thing that connected us because uh, it was very difficult in the audition at first. I was nervous. It would sound like shit. I was like, really didn't know what to do. And then I was like, ah, you guys like Bad Brains? And they're like, yeah, we love Bad Brains. And we did like a Bad Brains cover. Awesome. You know? And then it just like kind of broke the ice, you know, feeling like a lot more comfortable. It's like, okay, man, like let's work on these new songs yeah. and, and really come up with some cool ideas. So I know that um, they were they were fans you know, of hardcore was, fans too. They were fans of hardcore. Like they toured absolutely. All, like they loved Sick of It All and stuff. So, so. Oh, yeah. That, that was like a really great connect. I mean, with Igor and I, you know, we had like a really good connection because we were, uh, very big fans of hardcore music and he knew a lot about punk bands and hardcore bands so that was like an easy connect yeah what was the first show you played with Sepultura where were you um the first show was I believe it was called Borulia Contrafomi it was like Noise Against Hunger in Brazil in and Brazil had, of all places uh, to start <laughs> It's like over 30,000 people. Um, it was like an introduction show of me being in the band. Plus, we had Jason Newstead that came and jammed with us. Mike Patton came and jammed with us. Uh, we had the Shivanti Indians <laughs> who came from like the rainforest who had never been in a city before and <laughs> performed on stage with us. We had this Brazilian artist named Carlinhos Brown who wrote the song uh, with Sepultura Rata Manhattan. And he came and did the song and it was just all these special guests. And it was like, a you know, you bring food and you get in free, you know, it was like noise against hunger and wow. it was just packed out. And I was nervous as hell, like just really, really, really nervous. And I even remember at that show that I, I saw Mackie was there. Oh from, shit. <laughs> from Chromax. He just happened you to be doing there because that? he was jamming. I was like, yeah, I was like, yo, Mackie. I was like, oh, my God. It's just like making everything worse, like more nervous. But uh, it was just such a crazy, crazy show. Like that, and then we did a show in the U.S., and it wasn't even under the name of Sepultura. It was under called Troops of Doom. That's kind of a dead giveaway. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, everybody knew. Yeah. But we had, like, all these, like, people that I didn't really know at the time that were just, like, friends of the band, you know, like, Scott Ian and uh, the dudes from, like, Hoist Gracie, like, Gracie's jiu-jitsu oh, yeah. dudes were there. And I was just, like, shaking, you know. Those guys just <laughs> in the band are, you know, were nervous. I was like, you guys are nervous? I was like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my you know, God. We did, like, songs, and I was terrified. I was like, okay, we did it. We did it. We can move forward but it was i mean we were all afraid man even though those guys had played thousands of times before they were nervous too you know it was everything was new oof what a place to be what a, what a spot to be dropped into man crazy oh yeah man it was crazy i just i guess to answer your question i just didn't know like how okay. insane it would be 
I was completely naive. And you, but you found out pretty damn quick, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I know some people were oh, pissed yeah. off and whatever, but listen, at this point, I mean, what do you have? What would you put out? What, like 10 records with them since you're in the band? Yeah, it's been quite a few, probably about it's 10. Like 10. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. not, not counting like the, the revolution, revolution songs and maybe the right, rock right. one. So it's like 10 full length records, I think, something like that. Give or take one or two put out a lot of shit right right and so yeah. at this at this point if you're still like oh simple tour no max like, come on, get over it man like it's ridiculous it's ridiculous uh i mean there, there, there's certain people that will never get over it but oh get know. over it man <laughs> why are you living, right, man. I, why are you living in 1995 come on go through a lot of that because through the years uh, since I've been in the band, but sure. I've seen a lot of people like really change their mind after they've actually had time to take in the change, you know, the shock. Of you know, course. Like, okay, 15 years later, they're like, all right, I heard a song and that sounded pretty good. And then yeah. that leads to another song that of they're course. like, oh, that sounded pretty good. Well, you know, um, and, and so with like the last you, album. I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, just like, just yeah. like with you and, and myself included, you hear like a band that you're a fan of, and next thing you know, they have a different singer. Right. That's a huge thing. Yeah, I get it. I mean, how many how many bands have either remained successful or gotten more successful after a band uh, after a singer gets changed? Like you could think, all right, ACDC did it, Anthrax did it, Iron Maiden did it, Sepultura did it. Yeah, I mean, how many people? Faith No More. Faith No More. Black Flag. Right. But not that many out of all the grand. I mean, I mean, bands. some people would argue Van Halen. Some would argue. Man, Sammy Era don't count. Like if you look at, it, but if you look at the numbers, I'm sorry. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Sammy killed it. Man. Killed it. They were more <laughs> successful with Sammy than David. They were. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. I know, man. Terrible, terrible. So then, now, now, you, you, the first record that you put out with Sepultura was Nation, but you didn't, re- you didn't really. Oh, no, it's uh, again, against, against. But that was the record that you really didn't have any mm-hmm. writing, writing on, right? Nation right. was the one that you had, you right. partook, to partook in the writing process. Yeah, we we partook in a lot of stuff, man. We were just really like, let's go deep and spend a lot of time in the studio and try to just create you know an an epic epic album it was yeah. a lot of fun but looking back i'm like oh my god we we're it was definitely a different time in the music scene because sure. uh, labels were giving money then they had money cds were just coming i mean cds are already in effect but it was just like the whole thing that changed the game was the whole like napster and everything and and that was like a rap you know labels are like we're done we got no more money we're yeah. firing people like it's yeah. over but we we're right on that that cusp like with nation was like okay let's let's try to um we have maybe one more album with roadrunner records it's a horrible contract the worst in the world um and we did nation so half of the people at the label were like we're with you you know a new singer blah 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 and then the other half were just like we're not feeling you 
ah. you're not the guy that should be in the band, like straight up. And I was like, okay, we got to leave this lady. Yeah, fuck all that. Didn't make any sense. Yeah. So yeah, we put it out with that stress on our back um, with Nation. I was just like, what the fuck? But it was great that all my bandmates really stood behind me and their choice. And um, we were able to, to, to leave um, Roadrunner after that. Yeah. Hey, listen, you don't need that kind of negativity in your life. You're not the person that's supposed to be in the band. Motherfucker, I'm in the band. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and there was, I mean, there was a lot of really cool things that we had going on with it. I mean, we had Jello Biafra sang one song with us on it. Um, we had Shepard Ferry did the artwork. You know, people were just like, I don't really care. They weren't even looking at those aspects of the album. I mean, we did like Black Flag cover. We did like Crucifix cover. We did like all this like crazy stuff a variety of things and, and people are just so concerned about the breakup and the change and how the band sound they weren't really listening to what was going on with the actual band as far and, and they weren't looking at what we were trying to create and the label didn't believe in it you know 100 percent. so that didn't help either so no. that idea of the band was really getting lost because they were still holding on to the past the Gosh. label so so it was really difficult. Like, we're like, okay, let's move onward. Next album, you know, like, let's get off this label. Let's move on to another album. Yeah. So, then, so then after, after Nation, you put out the, the EP of covers, Revolution, right? I think. Correct. Yes. Well, I, don't, I don't know what label that yep. was on, but that wasn't on Roadrunner? That, that was like, no, it was like, it was like on some weird like subsidiary or universal or some we're like in between stuff okay. um so a lot of people didn't really get to hear it but um we had a lot of su success actually in brazil with the song bullet the blue sky well you too unbelievable that's yeah. awesome yeah. <laughs> like sepulchre is it takes balls and that's great yeah. And, and it really worked out in a great way because it was the first video that we had with me actually in the band and, and me in the video. Um, it showed the band completely in a different light uh, from the past. Um, and, and it was a really good version of it. And the video itself, it was up for an MTV award in Brazil, for uh, it, which it, it won an award for that um, as far as like editing and things like that. And it was being played consistently. So people were actually seeing this is the new Sepultura now. This is the change that's happening. And, and there were great covers on it. Like it was albums, you know, album or actually artists that people wouldn't expect us to do, but bands that influenced us, you know? So we well, had like Jane's Addiction, P.E., you know, like... Black Steel in the Hour of <laughs> Chaos is one of the hardest Public Enemy songs ever. <laughs> It's yeah, fucking man. amazing, dude. And, and, and we got to do that with the Brazilian artist who unfortunately was murdered um, oh, in his favela, you know, in his hood. Uh, after, you know, not too long after we recorded the song with him. And, and it was such a phenomenal time. Like, we felt really rejuvenated from doing those covers. And it was a lot of fun to do. We did Massive Attack cover. And, and the funny thing is that not... Not many people at that time had heard it and they didn't know that we had done it. Right. Years later, I get like this message. Somebody's like, yo, I'm watching The Following and I think you guys are on the one of, this TV show, The Following with Kevin Bacon. 
yeah. and they're playing Sepultura like massive attack cover. I'm like, oh my god! Like finally, people that they finally. hear, you know. That's great. But it, it's like one of my favorite cover songs that we did, and uh, and it's really really powerful. But it just showed the band, and it, like this is us a new light. It kind of was like we were kind of following the steps of like Metallica when they did the Garage Days. Yes, you remember okay. when. Green hell. Remember before people like, okay, they were like, what's going to happen? Like, who is this new bass player? Right. You know, who is this guy? Because it came out before, I think, in Justice for All, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sold. I was like, these are the best covers ever. This sounds so awesome. I mean, that album is incredible. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I mean, they've done incredible incredible covers. like like Metallica covers uh Bob Seeger turn the page like <laughs> it's weird but uh, let me tell you something that's an incredible cover it's an incredible cover I give it to them, man I love how they do their own version of it and create you know a whole different you know almost a different song so <laughs> really respect that and it was kind of like our garage days you know getting psyched up before going into the whole doing a whole nother album again which was and to and to back. roar back, you're right. Difficult, difficult time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what recording that record was a difficult time. Um, I don't. I mean, it was just like a a really rough time, like going out with like changes as far as management and the band, like really getting that together. Because yeah. once that you know. The old singer left, the management left as well. And we're always trying to get back into the game of having that business side taken care of. Yeah. And it wasn't always out of order. And that what was happening then. It was yeah. really like out of whack. And we're just still trying to keep everything on the rails and from going off the rails. And so um, it was difficult in that aspect, but we were really fighting, you know, out there touring a lot, you know, really doing as much promotion as possible playing as many shows and just grinding. You know? Yeah. Well, Rollback is an incredible record. I love that album. So I don't know yeah, the behind the scenes, <laughs> but it doesn't come out in somebody, you know, people on the outside who listen to that record. I think it's a great fucking record. You know? oh, thank you, man. It was, I mean, it was definitely a lot of fun to make and, and it was still, you know, everybody really contributing and we're trying to, you know, do a lot of different things. And, um, but, stay focused with you know what sepultura is about you know like the heaviness and the groove and having all those elements from the past there but also to have stuff that's uh looking towards the future yeah and so then that was with the label spv um, gotcha. from germany yeah. um they were on the same label as uh motorhead um Sick. and we were at the, using the, we had the same manager todd singerman okay. um, that was managing us um, so that's how that connection came together. So once Todd left, that was a lot of the problem that, that was going on as far as like trying to find somebody to really manage the band. And we ended up moving into um, Dante album um, after Roarback. I know all about it. Now. Yeah. Right now, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Dante 21, Quadra. Wow. I don't know. 
But let me tell you something. People sometimes think I'm out of my mind. I said this to somebody who I told that, that I was going to have you on. Um, my friend Tim, he does the Ill Street News podcast out of Philly. But I was like, listen, Dante 21, I will put that up against any Sepultura record. He thought I was out of my mind. I was like, listen to me. Yeah. Listen, yes. to, listen to that fucking record and tell me that that shit does not hold up to any other Sepultura record. Oh, and stop man. with the bias of the Max is gone. Forget all that. Listen to right. the record. Listen to the record and tell me that Dante Twenty One doesn't rip shit apart. That record is incredible. We were, so we were, hats off to you. Oh, thank you, man. Incredible. The the, we the concept, really, everything. Oh, Love it. See, this is where this is definitely like a turning point where we realized that we needed like a strong concept before going into writing Dante. And so once we had that, we were like, okay, we have an artist that's going to do the artwork before even the songs are written. We'll let him do his own work, but he has the idea in his head. We're going to focus on, you know, creating, you know, these types of songs, you know, and, and really go all out. And this was the last album that Igor was on yes. um, before he left the band. So this was like really, you know, we had, we, we had gotten really used to, to each other, you know, like we we're like, okay, this is who we really are now, like a, this formation. You know, we're really at a good point as far. But at the same time, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Igor was already like, his head was like, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way out. Ah. You know, and it was just like, shit, we're just getting things really together. The label was like, this is a fucking great album. Yeah. The, the, you know, the like really video good is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was a big thing as well. Like, it was like, I remember Jamie from Hatebreed was like playing it on Headbangers Ball. Um, Dude. It was like, it was like a whole, new, it was like, yes, here we go. Now we're like back up and people are going to see this in a whole different light and, and which people were, you know, we still, but the personal stuff that was happening behind the scenes, it was just like, you know, devastating. You know, it was just like Igor's going there and the band is like, okay, we got this finally together. Yeah. So at the end of the whole writing process, which was really difficult to go through, but we did it. Um, he, he, would, he just didn't want to go on tour. Oh, um, shit. He was getting into a whole new, new relationship. And, and so we created this album. We're like, man, we got a tour on this, you know? And, um, you know, it was, it was really, really hard, you know, <laughs> because we ended up having Rory uh, Mayorga he played in Nausea, um, and he also played in SoFly, and he ended up coming on that tour, and it was an amazing tour. I mean, yeah. we toured with this band in flames. Yes. Um, they were on their hype, you know, they were really on, the, on their top, and so we did a tour in Europe, and it was a lot of sold-out shows, great shows, such a great time you know Roy wanting to be there such a great person I already knew him from the past you know it's a lot of fun a lot of laughs and then it was just like you know he's out of the band once we got back he was like I'm out oh, and shit. we were again like you know almost starting again like an you know another member leaving and it was really difficult because it was just like what are we going to do you know like we have the, we just created something so amazing 
that we really believe in ourselves. We really built up. Like, let's just, let's keep going, man. Let's keep going. You know, we really want to do this. But then listen, I mean, I mean, besides all that stuff, I mean, I mean, after you tour and you wind up going back into the studio and then you create another incredible concept record. Oh man, it was, I mean, we ended up getting, yes. And, uh, we were fortunate to really meet with Jean Della Bella. He was the drummer um, for that album. And it was, again, like getting to know each other. But as far as like Paolo Andreas and I, like we really knew the idea of having these concepts was very important, you know, to really have something to focus on before going into the writing process. So we'd always talk a lot about how we're going to write this album as far as like where, what are we going to write about? What's it going to be about? What are we going to focus on? You know, so we did all take that. Take a Kubrick movie. Had take a, take Jean- a Clockwork Orange. Incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we're doing it based off uh, the, the actual book from Anthony Burgess. Uh, yes. And because uh, we had all seen the movie and I was like, let's read the book. And uh, the book has a different ending. Yeah, It has actually a more of a positive ending. Um, and it's just an interesting story. I just wanted to know why Anthony Burgess wrote this book. You know, what, where did he get his ideas from? And that made a lot of sense once we started doing research on it. And, um, and it ended up being like a great album to record and, and to, to work on. And it, again, you were like, okay, here we are again. You know, and again, people <laughs> like, oh, who's this new drummer? Blah, blah, blah. They had some changes again. And it was a battle for that whole touring cycle. Skeptical of certain people, you know, and they were just like, okay, Again, on the same label, um, leaving that label because that label was coming to an end, bankruptcy, SPV, done. Ended up writing, ended up signing with Nuclear Blast. Okay. So with Nuclear Blast was starting, it already had a name, but it was actually not where it is now. It was actually on its way up. And they were independent and they were hungry to sign bands and they were giving us a lot of like independence to do whatever we want and they believed in us and they have metal heads that love metal music working at nuclear blast so that this helps. helped a lot and it helped that the and the owner it helped that he's a super hardcore guy okay not a metal guy Beautiful. He grew up buying seven inches he's one of the favorite bands are agnostic front which he ended up signing and everyone there was like I don't know, are you sure you want to sign this band? You know, they are, they are not metal and they are not selling as many. And he's like, I don't care. I don't care. I need to have this band. Damn right. And he saw that I was really in the hardcore and he, and he spoke and he was, you know, very excited. He was like, yes, man, hardcore scene. I love it. It's great. <laughs> and you guys are going to kill it. So we ended up doing um, Kairos albums. Yeah. John had record. been in the band already, so... That album was again like, here we are. Again, people are like, okay, they're comfortable with this drummer. You know, he's been, this is his sophomore album. Yeah. It's sounding good. We have a label that believes in us. We're like, okay, we're going to kill it there and we're going to be able to go out and tour. We did amazing tours. Um, and, and people were like really coming back to the fold. You know, there were a lot yeah. of people like, okay, this is, did like ministry cover on it. You know, yeah, just, just one fix. fix. And, and um, and we just felt confident again as a band. Like, okay, we had this unit. Then again, drummer <laughs> decides that he wants to leave. 
again, having those problems pesky with drummers, man. Those pesky goddamn drummers. Those drummers. <laughs> and, and that was like, we're just like, okay, we got to these high points. What are we going to do now? You know, like, so, um, and especially being on such a really good label, we're like, we, we can't really stop. You know, we, we know that we can do this. You know, we've already proven that we can do this. Um, let's keep it going, you know. And then one, one of the, well, it's the longest title of the next record. The mediator, be, hold on. The mediator between head and hands must be the heart. Must be the heart. Right. Yes. Why we would do that is insane. You know, especially <laughs> on like an album with a new drummer. You know, we want people to just get their head around it. We just dove right into like, okay, let's let's do this. Let's just come up with a really disgustingly sick album. Mm-hmm. And um, and we have an incredibly sick drummer that loves metal, and we can do a lot of different things that we weren't doing. Um, and it's a new time, and let's get this. So yes. that album was just like real. And we got together with Ross Robinson, um, okay. who produced Roots album, and, and Ross has a really organic approach of really digging deep. Um, as far as every song and the meaning behind it and the recording process. And it was insane. And we find, and we did the album in LA, um, in the U S. So it'd been a, you know, it was something, a big change and, um, and people started to take notice. They were like, man, this drummer is no joke. They were just like, this kid can play his ass off. Yeah. So the live shows is what really started to attract a lot of people because they were seeing him play and they're like, oh my God. Like it brought a whole new energy level to the band. Um, and so with this under, you know, like behind us, like, okay, we have the label, we have the management better now. We have, you know, a member who's solid, who's young and who's able to, to do this physically, you know, just really, we can, who's open to do anything. Um, let's do this and uh, really not hold back. And, and I wanted to, to, to go to a producer who was different from all the producers they've had in the past. I was like, I want a guy that can really bring a sound that's very clear but heavy. And that was something I felt that Simple Tour never had. There was a lot of dirty sound or really raw. And I, I wanted them to have like a, some type of a balance of clean and yet have that raw yeah. intensity. So I liked a lot of these Swedish producers and bands like Opet, Opet and, um, and, and I, I just really wanted to have that type of sound. Somebody produced a Sepultura album like that. So we reached out to Jens Bogren and um, he was a guy I'd been following and he was open and available. So we ended up going to Sweden to record uh, uh, Machine Messiah. Yes. And and by then we had been touring so much and we felt so united with Eloy, um, Casagrande, our new drummer. And we we're like, fuck, yeah, we did it. We did this album. Now we're ready to do this album. And let's, this is Eloy's second album. So he's going to have a lot more ability to feel free to write. Yes. You know, he felt like more comfortable in the band. So it was like, here we go. Yeah. And we just went off, man. We worked really, really hard. And, and it was actually pretty quickly that we, we did everything, but we were really pushing ourselves, you know, yeah. again, outside of the box. 
and and that and that really changed everything that album as far as like really started a big turnaround started to come about as far as um show attendance as far as people coming out to shows really getting into older albums yeah you know people like i love against album oh we start playing older songs people are like i know that the, yes. the Derek green era. you know Derek more people asking for that <laughs> more people asking us to play those songs younger people at our shows the Beautiful. attendance started to change so there was a mix of like old and young so this was something that i was really happy to see because the attendance started going up the promoter in europe was like all the ticket sales have been going up for you guys like you know every album Beautiful. since you know this change and and i knew like once we got through that sophomore curse yeah because <laughs> this was the second that. album with Deloitte, and it was like okay it was so such incredible positive feedback from the last album let's stay with this producer because we felt so comfortable with them let's take our time in the writing process we don't have to do every festival and every show let's take 2019 to just write and so with that in mind we went back to sweden everyone feeling comfortable with this producer and and that's i believe what created quadra you know the, the ability so of having that time being completely prepared to go in the studio and just everyone doing their job or knowing what they have to do. And, 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 you know, it was, for me, it's my favorite album. And it's I incredible. just love the fact that you can see the evolution of the band, you know, that's what I felt it was, I always wanted to contribute to the band, getting better, getting yeah. better, you know, try, you know, the elevation. I, and I really feel that that has happened. And yeah. uh, once this album, you know, was recorded and, and, and out, you know, the, the overwhelming response was like majority positive. It's you know, incredible. Even like the opening track, it just, it just starts off. It just sounds really dark and eerie with the song isolation, just do it. And then it just yeah. goes and it's just like, <laughs> holy shit. It's just, it's just right from the beginning. It's just, it's a, it's, right it's on, incredible, man. dude. It's a great record. And and Thank I saw so I saw that that it's all basically positive reviews, man. It's like nine point yeah, seven, yeah. nine point eight percent like this record. So I saw that, and I'm right, like, right. it's awesome. You know, maybe the yeah. maybe the whole maybe people are over the past, and and the whole new right, era right. has ushered in, and it's this is what it is. So and it's mm -hmm. getting positive results and positive feedback, and and obviously you guys have not stopped. You know, ups, downs, tri you know, all the trials and tribulations. Oh, yeah. This and that drama, which is behind the scenes, which I won't even go into. <laughs> right. First of all, it's not my business. Second of all, that could be a four hour podcast, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like you could just, just, you could only imagine. But um, yeah, dude, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an incredible record. I like the, the artwork. It's just the, the old coin. Wow. It's just, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I love that shit, dude. And I know with Quadra to play oh, on, you know, the, the number four and something is the four stars. Right. And, you know, on, yeah. like, I love all that little shit. The little attention to details and artwork. Oh, I love that shit, dude. I mean, it, it's, it's so, you know, what was really great about working on that album, or at least being in Brazil, like, I mean, I lived in Brazil for 20 years, you know, I moved my whole life there. And, um, you know, you, you really, aren't connected with a lot of things that are going on in Europe or in the US, even though we were touring a lot in Europe and stuff. But, you know, it gives you that ability being in South America to really write um, 
what you're feeling and without any influence from people in your head, you know, as oh. far as like a whole, you know, I got to try to be this way. This So we always had crazy ideas like and never held back from them. You know, we never felt afraid of trying those ideas like, oh, we should have a choir here. You know, we can, we can definitely get one, you know, and then the producer, Jens in Sweden, like I know a Swedish choir at this church and we can go record there. You know, it's just like really thinking out of the box or I know this Tunisian orchestra and yeah. I can send them the music and they can do a part for here. And the string like, sections and craziness, bro. Yeah. It's awesome. But real string sections, real choir, you know, yeah. like we, he, it was really important to have the actual thing. Um, and again, we did this with four times, not five times less money than when I started with the band. Wow. You know, like with like against, you know, a nation that was like crazy, crazy money at the time. Yeah. And with this, I mean, the industry had stripped down so much. It was like, wow, I'm glad that we had very little money because we can recoup. <laughs> because when, you know, a lot of like young bands feel like, ah, oh, you know, they're giving us some money. It's like, no, you got to pay that money back. Of course. And a lot of, and it's possible to pay a lot of that money back. And so this was like, you know, wiser now, you know, business-wise as well. You know, it's like, we don't have to take that much. We can get it done. Technology has changed over time too because Pro Tools came to effect since I've been in the band. Um, it was all analog when I first joined. Yeah. You know, the first producer, Howard Benson, that produced against, he was, he was like, what is this Pro Tools thing? I'm going to take a look at it, you know, but yeah. it was still, majority of the album was like tape, you know, yeah. we're still using so crazy so that's how long so yeah but it it seems so quick how it goes from that to this it was quick yeah it's like i was having a conversation with a friend of mine who was recently on the podcast i was i was talking to him on the side i'm like he's like how did we come it seems like such a small time frame but if you think about it how did we go from atari to where we are now in this amount of time super fast man it's crazy incredibly quick man yeah. People understand like how quick technology is moving. I mean, they they, they kind of lose. I mean, there's people nowadays they see an eight track and they have no idea what that is. Nope. There's kids who are like, "What is that?" Yeah. You know, what, what, they yeah. have no clue, and it wasn't that long ago. No. What's even crazier is not that far from here, on the side of the Belt Parkway, there's actually two phone booths that are still there. Right, they they don't work, but there's two phone booths that are still there. My daughter looks at it and she sees like a little coin slot, and she actually looks. She goes, "You had to pay to use that phone." Like she had no concept whatsoever. And I just laughed. I'm like, "It's so crazy how she don't even know what a pay phone is. Like you had to put money in that to use that." I'm like, "Yeah, it's so nuts." It's nuts, right? It's so crazy. I, you know what's even cra- you know what's even crazier? It's like kind of on that same line. I was living outside the U.S. and so we would come and do shows or tour. And I was in an Apple store, and I think I was buying like an iPad or something, or signing something. I was signing it, and I signed for something. And she was like, "Oh, you have really great signature. Like that's amazing. Like you know how to write in cursive." Wow. Like, what are you talking about? And she was like. We didn't learn that in school. It's nuts. Yeah, I know. It's nuts. They don't don't learn proper penmanship in school anymore. 
I, I remember in like the fourth oh. grade, I remember in the fourth grade when the teacher actually announced that we we're about to learn cursive yes. and the whole class yeah. got excited. The whole class. And we got excited yeah. that we were like about to book. Work. Yeah. They don't learn, they don't teach none of that. That, that. that blew my mind. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, we, I don't know how to write in cursive. I was like, it's crazy. I, I, I just, crazy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> crazy. It is. See, we sound like the old men right now to some of the people. I there. know. It, <laughs> well, listen, it is what it is. I don't care. I still know how I to write. I don't feel old anymore. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. And I don't feel don't so really, anymore. When I don't I see really Mike. write in cursive. Like I write like regular, but like if I sign my name, yeah, it's it's in script. I don't know. <laughs> Who the hell knows? Maybe I'm crazy. Shit. You know what? Let me I wanna I just want to throw out my my last two my last two sponsors, and then I definitely want to talk yeah. about, about highway to help, and then I won't hold you hostage yeah. too much longer. It's all good, man. All right. Um New Republic Printing is uh, a sponsor of the podcast. Um, they do screen printing, embroidery, vinyl stickers, and buttons, pins. Um, follow them on Instagram at New Republic Printing. Um, what's cool about them is that there's no setup fees. There is no screen fees. And if you get your order shipped to a commercial address, it's free UPS ground shipping. So if you order 10,000 Sepultura Quadra shirts, then you can get a thousand boxes delivered to, I don't know, any commercial address and it doesn't cost you a dime. For so, free. For wow. Free. I might have to look into them. See that? New Republic Printing. NewRepublicPrinting.net or oh, try and request Steve McCarthy on Facebook and he'll do the right thing by it. Um, I w- I've actually used them way before I actually thought of this podcast. So it's cool that like we, we knew each other. So he became a sponsor because we just knew each other for years beforehand. But uh, yeah, New Republic Printing. And last but definitely not least, are you a coffee guy? Do you drink coffee? You know what? I, I wasn't for such a long time, but that's, I guess, my bad vice during this whole lockdown is the only bad vice, thank God, uh, right. coffee. All right. I started getting back. Now it's like twice a week. All right. Twice a week. But you got to relax. <laughs> yeah. 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 you're getting a lot of control twice a week with coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean i went i went diving back in like every morning and then i was like oh man my, my stomach is not the greatest but right. i feel fantastic <laughs> well, well check it out i have a sponsor they call they call dead sled coffee um Small operation, um, D-E-A-D-S-L-E-D, Dead Sled Coffee. Um, if you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you enter the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 15% off your Blast. order. And anything over $40 is free domestic shipping all over the country. Um, they have everything from, if you like flavored coffee, they have all kinds of flavors. They have cold brew. They have regular coffee. They have tea. They have iced tea, green tea. Wow, all kinds of stuff. I'm down with the tea. Yeah, they have all of that stuff. And they also have done things with, um, they signed the contract and they're putting out, it's called a nightmare blend. I guess it's like an espresso blend. They, they signed the contract with Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger. So they're putting out, they're putting wow. out, yeah, they're putting something out like that out. Um, 
they they did a there's a, a hardcore band from Pennsylvania called Wisdom and Chains. They did a, a a brew with them. Yeah, of course. They did they did a blend with them, and uh, I was gonna say something, but it's not announced yet. But they just did something with somebody gigantic. Well, I can't say it because this won't come out. I think they're going to announce it like next month. So I can't say that. But um, yeah, deadslikecoffee.com. Follow them um, on Instagram at deadslikecoffee. But super awesome. And not, not just because they're a sponsor, but I drink it all the time. And no joke, they're cold brew. It's the shit. So give it a shot if you want. Dead Sled Coffee. Good guys. Awesome coffee. Small businesses. Those are my sponsors. Why not? Why not? Now, hey, why not? Hey, why not? Yeah, I'm just, just drinking a little bit of coffee over here. Uh, I'm a half Italian from Brooklyn. What do you expect from me, Derek? What's the other half? Uh, I, all kinds of shit. I was told I'm English and Irish and Italian. That's what I was told. Who knows? I, I, I don't I got to do that 23 and me thing and find out really what I am. Oh, I guess I was going to ask you, did you do that? I think I have to do it because I could be like Japanese. I, I don't know. I'm going to do it. You're going to do, do it? I'm going to do it. I'm going to, and I'll let you know what, how it turns out. All right. I hear good things. I, but I, I honestly, oh yeah, you, you have, you've heard positive I, things. I heard, well, the people are like, wow, I can't believe that I'm part like, I don't know, fucking Japanese. I don't know. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going by what I was told. And then, and it's like, it's weird. It's like my mother and my father told me that I'm Italian, Irish, and actually Welsh, which is basically English. But that's what right. they were told. But who knows <laughs> if they knew what they were talking about? You know what I mean? I don't right, know. right. Who knows? Could be a bunch of bullshit. You're absolutely know. right. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. So now, you have you're a co-host on I guess it's a podcast. It's on it's on YouTube as well, right? And it's called. Well, it's actually. Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's uh it's actually a, a TV show. Awesome. Um, a travel TV show, uh, Highway to Health. And um, yeah, it's I'm the co-host along with Tanya Callahan, who's the the other co-host. She's from Ireland, um, for real. Not American Irish, but like Irish for real Irish. Right. Um, and <laughs> we had the idea of putting together a show uh, about plant-based lifestyle. Not only about vegan food or plant-based food, but about everything that's surrounding sustainability and the lifestyle of uh, plant-based lifestyle. So I, I haven't eaten meat um, in 33 years, 34 years. Um, okay. She hasn't either. Um, and we decided, since we met so many people from traveling the world, she's an incredible bass player. She's playing with uh, Steven Adler, um, Dee Schneider, um, all these different uh, musicians all around the world. So she has knows about traveling and meeting different people and how to survive on the road, um, being in the lifestyle that we're in. So we decided to do a show based around that um, with celebrities and different chefs and doctors and athletes, um, really talking, conversing over food um, and talking about sustainability, about healthy uh, alternatives. Um, not all the people on the show are vegans or plant-based, but we have people who are friends who are 
interested in maybe learning something different about what's going on out there. You know, we're not sure. trying to force this down people's throats right. by any means. You know, it's just giving people some information about some really tasty, healthy alternatives that exist out there and places where people might feel better putting their money towards instead of a lot of these big corporations that don't care about you or right. your health or the planet or anything on it. Right. So I, I believe, you know, once people are more hip to what's going on as far as like their cha- their choices and, and what they can choose, you know, I think that's really important nowadays. You know, a lot of times people don't think about where they're putting their money or the ethos behind certain companies. Sure. But a lot of those companies are just really dirtbag companies that oh, have really yeah. been, you know, uh, feeding off of the ignorance of uh, the consumer. Sure. So um, I, I, this show has been a lot of fun. We were able to record an entire season uh, before lockdown. Um, in February, we were finished filming. Um, and we are now shopping the, the season to certain networks. So we're in that process right now. And hopefully oh, awesome. we'll be able to come back soon. With, yeah, um, man, I hope so. That's you know, a network. Awesome. Yeah. And, yeah and, what, what's it was cool, a lot of fun, man. Yeah, what's cool is like you're not trying to shove it down people's throat. You know what I mean? That's no, that's why, pe- that's why people back away sometimes. You know, who who, who like I listen to Absolutely not, they always have because of that. Yeah. It it's backed like, me away, actually. Those extremists yeah. always backed me away. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like I'm not vegan, but I respect it and that that's cool. Mm-hmm. But um it's like it's like John Joseph from the Chromex. He's plant-based forever, <laughs> you know, but he'll tell oh, yeah. you like it is and he doesn't shove it down your throat and he posts a lot of really interesting stuff, man. So I don't knock it. I don't knock it at all. Absolutely. You know, I, I think it's incredible that I have like my band members or certain people I've traveled with who aren't vegan or whatever, plant-based, but they, they like to try out certain things. They like to experiment with uh, those type of items and, um, it's great. You know, even if there's like one day or two days, there've been people that have told me like, Oh, we stopped eating meat for one day, you know, in our family. I'm like, that's amazing. You know, like I'm applauding them, you know, yeah. patting them on their back. I'm like, yeah, that's a cool, you know, that change actually, that is a change that it's actually that it adds to a change. You know, when you yeah. have one person that does like one thing a day, or maybe take something out of their diet that they don't necessarily need. Yeah. Um, it's great, you know, to have that. So I think for us, it's not about like putting people down. Right. That really turns me off and turns me away. And I want to find a a fun way to really communicate with people, you know, about, you know, things that could possibly help change their lives for the better. Yeah. Now, if anyone's interested, there is an Instagram account, right? I think it's called uh, the highway to uh, official highway to health or highway to health official. Yeah. Just put it's twenty it's twenty twenty. If you type in highway to health, it comes up. That's it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's fun, man. Like we're gonna have a lot of interesting guests, a lot of different artists, musicians, uh, actors. You know, directors. We have Kevin Smith is on one episode. Um, Nice. We have Moby. We have Kat Von D. Um, We ended up going with Sea Shepherd on a mission in Mexico. Wow. On, their, on their ships. Um, it's like we have a variety. We have an MMA fighter um, from Brazil. We go to Brazil and we do a whole thing there. Like it, it's really, really going to be awesome once it's out there. Wow. How was riding on that Sea Shepherd, dude? Yeah, that was, that was amazing, man. That was 
scary and and there's so many different emotions you know i was when i say scary i mean i was terrified of the fact that there were people following us you know in this in this little town because there were people there that they're trying to protect a certain uh whale that lives there a specific whale that only can live there a vaquita it's called and it's only can be in the sea of cortez um so they're trying to protect this area that's uh closed off they're not trying to stop people from fishing just fishing in that area <laughs> and though that was something i started to understand because i was like oh i heard that sea separate they're stopping people from their you know doing something they've done for hundreds of years you know in this village you know they're coming in invading and it's not like that at all they're working with the government the local people not all the local people understand or like them but they're really just trying to stop people from that specific area from fishing because there's only five of these type of porpoises left in the world wow. and so on this specific mission that we're there there's a lot of cartels that buy fishing nets to go in these waters illegally and so there's small people in these village that are very poor they get money from the cartel to buy these nets and then they end up owing the cartel and it's all connected and so a lot of times they end up just following us around when we were there like anything with sea shepherd you can't wear any clothing or anything oh, you know they have like walking talkies like yeah they're over here or they're over there and um and they and they have like an arm you know military person on board all the ships at all times 24/7 wow uh, because it's no joke yeah, and so man. uh it was just fast it, it was fascinating i think it will be great once we show people what goes on with this organization the type of people they have working there who are from all around the world that give up their entire lives to be on that boat for 3 sometimes 6 months out of the year they give up their job their houses their apartments and they just live together as a team on that boat people from all over the world there's a guy that was in the US military he's like 40 years old there's a girl from like Spain you know there's a guy from Mexico who's like the you know the ship doctor you know or there's yeah. you know, everybody's just a mix of people working together for a really positive cause of saving wow. the waters that's awesome man that's really yeah, cool yeah, shit yeah it was man. really and i think people will be stoked to see stuff like that you know it's it cuz i was always fascinated with the with sea shepherd and everything they do but to see it you know up close behind the scenes it's like wow okay they you know i see where the money is going that is donated to them you know i just to get that understanding that connect it's going to be really cool to show wow very fucking cool man i hope that i hope that when you know you said you're shopping this show i hope i hope it gets picked yeah. up and i mean i really do I yeah man i th- i think it's a good time because a lot of networks don't have content right now because they're not able to film right so we're in a very good position it's very positive content you know it's nothing that's like killing people or you know drugs or bringing people down it's actually something uplifting in the time that people would need that yeah that's great dude that's awesome well listen man this was fucking really cool man i appreciate your time this was yeah, awesome man um before thank i thank you jamie thank you for having me No, nah, dude, thank you for like I I said I was emailing somebody and then I just I I think you just came up on my feed and I was just like, "Yo, I was emailing so and so and then you just hit me right back." Yeah, I saw I'm that. Like, I was like, "Oh, I didn't know." That. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I, oh, I had no idea. Awesome. So I was like, "Oh, yeah." This is awesome, dude. So before I let you go, I just want to say 
but um this this goes up the video just goes up raw just like this onto youtube and i run it on the the facebook group that i have um but then the audio okay. version goes everywhere spotify itunes everywhere um, I put my little intro on it, and I have to ask you, is there any Sepultura songs that I'm allowed to attach on the end without me getting in trouble? <laughs> I think um, anything from the latest album would probably be the best, you know. Okay. Um, and you shouldn't have any problems. Anything from, like, Machine Messiah or, or Quadra. It's okay. The easiest. Um, but it shouldn't be a problem. Okay. I can't. I can't sneak a Dante Twenty One song in there. Uh, you might be able to. Yeah. 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 I mean, listen. Throw it on there. Yeah. I mean, it's there. like a whole song. The, the the weird algorithm thing. If it picks up on my voice, I don't make any money yeah. off this. So it's just you know, it's not like I'm trying to profit. Yeah. I just want people yeah. to hear shit. You know. All right. So. Yeah, I think it'll be all right. You think it'll be think okay? It'll be good. All right, I think I have an idea. Yeah, I want I mean, to know. Okay. All right. Keep I think I want... Surprise for me. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. I, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'll, surpri I'll surprise you, but it's going to be good. It's going to be good shit. Dude, thank you so much. Right. If you want to put out, like, your social media, anything like that, Derek Green Official on Instagram, right? Yeah, Derek Green Official, Highway to Health Official, and Sepultura. Beautiful. Awesome. Once again, I appreciate you, yeah. your time. <laughs> Thanks for the music. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. Awesome. You be safe, and we'll definitely be in touch, my man. All right, brother. Take care, Jimmy. Much respect. Yeah.